0: privilege to be with you this weekend. I want to say welcome to all of our campuses that are joining us and you know over the last 24 years I have been used in sermon illustrations by my husband (laughs) so I just thought it was time that the tables were turned a little bit and maybe I can tell a few stories about him. Um, It's payback time. But, no, seriously, um, he's in India, so he'd never know, actually, if we did that. I think it's middle of the night over there right now. But, no, he's amazing, and I just want to let you know that it is such a joy for us to be your pastors. Um, we really love you, and we're very honored to, to be um, your pastors. And I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. I know kind of a lot of the men maybe don't know. I heard A lot of my sisters have heard me speak in sisterhood which they've given me so much love this week. They've been texting me and we're praying for you and so, and the staff has as well, I'm I'm very blessed. But I'm the youngest of three children and I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven years old and I've never, never walked away from him. And when I was 11, I gained two Vietnamese foster brothers which was um, a great addition to our family. Um, But I've always been a people pleaser and a perfectionist. I've been a very, very fearful person. Uh, When I was younger, I was literally afraid of my own shadow. I know that's kind of a saying, but I was. Um, I never wanted to cause trouble and I never wanted any confrontation. I was very much just, um, I was quiet, introverted and I loved keeping the peace. And um, to prove it to you, um, my senior year in high school, you know you, you vote on people your senior year, like the best dressed and the class clown, most wanted to be stranded with, right? I always thought that was such a silly one, like we're gonna get stranded on an island. But um, I was voted the class angel. So yep, I have a picture to prove it. This is from uh, my high school yearbook. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they, they made me wear the little paper halo and everything. So, um, just, just so you know, I was very obedient, okay? But as I grew up in the Lord, I found that obedience doesn't just apply to choosing between right and wrong. It's, it has to do with where you're going to go in life and how you handle yourself on a daily basis. And I had to learn what we all have to learn, and that is that the life of a believer is one of surrendered obedience to God. Now, obeying which path to take in life was a little bit harder for me than just choosing between right and wrong because the things God was asking me to do were increasingly outside of my comfort zone. And if I could have chosen my own path, I definitely would not be standing up here right now. (laughs) I can tell you that. But when Rob asked me to marry him, I knew he was planning to go into the ministry. And even though I didn't have a personal call into ministry myself, I knew that I was called to marry him. And I was going to school to be an accountant at the time. I, ever since I was in eighth grade, I wanted to be an accountant. I knew I wanted to be in business. And so um, he knew that as well, but I'm like, okay, God, I, I know you want me to marry Rob, so here we go. So uh, we started out in youth ministry. We did youth ministry for seven years. And then in 1995, we planted River Valley Church. And uh, I worked as an accountant that whole time to support our family. We had Connor and Logan in there. And uh, I I was really content with that. I loved being an accountant. I loved sitting in my cubicle and crunching numbers. I know some of you think that sounds dreadful, but I really loved it. And it was predictable and it was comfortable. And then in 2005, we had the amazing privilege to go to Australia to the Hillsong Conference. And it was there halfway around the world that God called me into ministry as well. And I was sitting in a women's session and there was hundreds of women there. And uh, the speaker that morning was a pastor's wife who was in her 70s. And she got up and shared about her life and the faithfulness of God. And the whole time she was speaking, her little voice was shaking and she seemed to be very nervous, but her message was so beautiful, and it touched me so much, and at the end of her message, God spoke to me as clear as I've ever heard him speak, and he said, if she can do it, you can do it. I was like, oh no, 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 God. No, 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 no. Remember, I'm the accountant. I like my cubicle. And knew he was asking me to lead and speak, and I was like, "Not a jo- I don't even really like women that much. <laughs> Seriously. I do now. Okay? I, I promise. I love I love the, our women now, but I know he was asking me to do that, so I'm crying, and I'm walking out of that session, and we had our staff with us, and so one of the other staff wives, um, Heidi Pastine from our Woodbury campus, she came up to me and said, hey, are you okay? I'm like, yep. I'm good. I was not about to say a word about what I had just heard from God. And she said, you know, God gave me a word for you about three months ago, and I've never shared it with you because I didn't know what the right timing was. But she said, he wants to use you to speak to women. Does that mean anything to you? And I was like, Then the tears really, really started because then it was out there, right? It had been spoken. And I was like, oh, no. Now I really have to follow up with this. So I came back from that conference, changed, and six months later, I quit my accounting job and I started volunteering at the church and leading the women. Now remember, I did not go to Bible college. I had no ministry training. I didn't even know how to lead a meeting. I mean, I was completely and absolutely terrified, but I said, you know what, God? This is what you're calling me to do. So I put amazing women around me, and then I just started taking a step, one step, one baby step at a time. Had no clue what I was doing. And uh, we started off by having some chick nights. We called them chick nights back then. We had some small groups. And then in 2009, we started our Sparkle Women's Conference with 300 women. That's what we had the first year. And now, this past year, we had 3,400 women at the convention center. I mean, it just blows my mind. We have weekly sisterhood groups and quarterly sisterhood nights, and now I am standing on this stage preaching on a weekend. What in the world has happened? <laughs> There's no way that any of this could have been done without the enabling, the strength, and the guidance of God. And I would have never even tried it if it hadn't been for this issue of obedience. It isn't that I didn't want to do anything for God. I mean, I was willing to give my time and resources and energy, but I just wanted to do it in a way that I chose. He didn't want what I offered if what I offered was in disobedience. He says plainly in his word that obedience is better than sacrifice. And we can see this principle in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Now Saul was the king of Israel at this time, and in those days God spoke through prophets. So God instructed Saul through the prophet Samuel to attack and completely destroy a group of people called the Amalekites. God said to destroy everything and everyone. Let no person or animal live and don't take a single possession. Well Saul almost obeyed, which really means that he disobeyed. He did attack and defeat this enemy, but Saul and his men spared the Amalekite king and they kept the best of the livestock and even some of the wealth. Now, this disobedience, of course, was really displeasing to God, and he told Samuel, the prophet, that he was sorry that he ever made Saul king. He said Saul's refusal to obey him was disloyalty. And Samuel was so grieved by this, he cried out to God all night, and then he realized he had to go give the message to Saul. And this is what Samuel said in 1 Samuel 15, 17. The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Wow, those are some harsh words. Now Saul believed that a sacrifice could somehow compensate for his disobedience. He thought that if he offered God some token acknowledgement that he could get away with disloyalty. In Hebrew, that word obey means to hear intelligently with attention and intent to obey. Now God is pleased when he has our attention and when we listen and and intend to obey him. But sometimes we don't want to do what God is telling us to do, and so we come up with some way to make up for our disobedience by offering him something else. Maybe he's told you to forgive someone that you don't feel you should let off the hook. Maybe he's told you you should go on a global team. And instead of obeying, we think, you know what? I'm just gonna give a little extra in the offering this week. Or, you know what? I'm gonna go to feed my starving children. That'll appease them, right? We wanna do things that we wanna do. We wanna show God that by giving something up, something of our own choosing, that we're being obedient, but we're not. The Bible tells us that obedience to God um, is only demonstrated by our love, with our love for him. First John 2.5 says, But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Yep. First John 5.3 says, Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. It is because of love for God that we obey Him. Our obedience is simply a a fruit of that love. And John said that love is not burdensome. It's not a burden because it comes out of our love for Him. It's an expression of our love. And when you think about it, we really have very little to offer Him ourselves, right? He gives us everything that we have anyway. But when we choose to obey Him because we love Him, that's truly a gift from our hearts. As you read through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's interesting to see all the things that obeyed Jesus. The storms, the wind, trees, and fish obeyed Jesus without question. Sickness and disease obeyed him. Even demons obeyed him. The only ones who struggled to obey him were people. Why did they struggle? Why do we struggle? What keeps us from hearing God with the intent to obey? Well today I just want to give us a few of the barriers to obedience. And the first one is self-centeredness. Our enemy would love to keep us distracted so we don't pursue God's path in life. And he likes to preoccupy us with ourselves, right? This is not very hard for us to do. It's not hard for us to think about our wants and our desires and what do we want and this self-centeredness can take many forms. It can be pride, laziness, or selfishness. In the story we read about Saul, we can see that he was self-centered. He knew that God was telling him, don't take anything. Don't bring anyone back alive. But what did he do? He saw all the riches and the wealth and the great livestock. He's like, you know what? I'm the king. I want it. I can do it. He elevated his own desires above the instructions of God. In the book of Galatians, Paul wrote about how dangerous self-centeredness can be, and he spoke about it in very straightforward terms. He talked about crucifying the flesh. In Galatians 5.24, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul spoke about dying to self as a past tense reality. He said if we belong to Christ, we've already crucified our flesh or our desires and our passions. So when we talk about dying to self, it's a matter of coming into agreement with what already is true. Our old selves died the moment that we accepted Christ. That self-reliant, self-centered, lazy version of you and me was crucified with Christ. Now we can live in that reality, and we do that by living in obedience to the leading of the Spirit. Yep, yep. Matthew 16:24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. In other words, when we live in obedience to God's plan for our lives, we find out what true living really is. Another reason we may not be living in obedience is because we're just uncertain. We're uncertain of what God's instructions are or what we're supposed to do. I think there's a lot of frustration in the church today because people don't know what God's will is for their life. And if you say that this is true of you, then I would say your next act of obedience is to find out what that is. And it's really not that complicated. I know we like to make it really complicated, but it's not. It says in Psalm 37, four and five, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. In this passage, there's four steps to fulfilling God's plan for your life. And guess what? Only two of them are ones that you have to do. He does the rest. Your role in knowing God's will in your life is to delight in Him. What does that mean? That means you spend time getting to know Him. You, get, you spend time in His presence, in His word, in prayer, in worship. You get to know who God is. And then your next role is to commit your life to Him and trust Him. That's it. That's all you have to do. Did you know that he does everything else? It's pretty amazing. Yes. He does it. And the good news is that we can all do this. So we can all figure out what God's will is for our life. Psalm 37, 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. So if he's going to direct our steps, Do you know what that means for you? That means you can't direct your steps, okay? That means you need to put reasoning and control aside and let him lead. Even if the path he's leading you on is uncertain, it's okay, you don't need to know everything. Do you know that God is okay with you being uncertain? Sometimes he creates uncertainty on purpose because it necessitates our dependence on him. Hello, that's my life, (laughs) okay? I don't know what I'm doing. I have to to depend on him. That's where he wants us to be. And if you're afraid of taking an uncertain step, maybe you're afraid, you know what, I, I know I'm gonna choose the wrong one. Or I know that I'm gonna go the wrong way, I'm gonna mess it up, you know what? God is big enough to get you back on the right path, even if you do. He would rather have you misstep in faith than have you paralyzed in uncertainty, okay? All right, the last thing is probably the biggest hindrance to obedience of all, and that is fear. Fear is a liar and a thief and it robs us of so much in life. It keeps us from fully experiencing all that God has for us. We fear the unknown. We fear failure. We fear the opinion of other people. And all this fear must be the reason why the most frequent command in the Bible is fear not. God knows we we fear, but fear keeps us from acting on our purpose and fulfilling our potential and enjoying our lives to the fullest. The reason I'm so passionate about this is because I let fear rob me for way too long. Several years ago, our family went on a trip to Costa Rica, and the friends that we were with wanted to take us zip-lining. And of course, Rob and the boys were like, yeah, this is going to be awesome! And I'm like, not a chance! (laughs) There's no way I'm going to go flying through the jungle on a little wire! But we were all going, right? So I had to go. I'm like, I'm going to watch you guys. Have a great time. And so we got to the zip lining place. And everyone started putting on their gear and their helmets. And, you know, I was kind of standing there. And they came and gave me my gear. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just going to watch. They're like, well, you have to put everything on just, just if you're going to watch. I'm like, okay. So I put it all on. and <laughs> Yeah, you see where this is going. Um, put the gear on. Started up the tree with the little, the little slats of wood and we're going up about halfway up the tree. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is way too high. I'm just gonna go back down. And I looked behind me and there's like 20 people behind me. So literally no way for me to turn around. So we get to the top of this platform. I mean, this thing is not very big. We are way up in the air trees all around and people start going off and they're having the greatest time of their life. And I'm just like, there is no, like you're gonna have to knock me out if you think <laughs> I am going to cross that wire. So I'm literally, you know, the family, the friends all around, you got this, you can do this. And I'm literally um, crouched down on the edge of the platform. My eyes are closed, clenched, my teeth are clenched. I'm like, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. All of a sudden, someone gives me a little shove. And before I know it, I am flying through the air. I mean, I'm screaming, and all of a sudden, I open one of my eyes, and then I open the other one, and the breeze is blowing through my hair, and I see monkeys in the trees. I'm like, this is kind of of fun. (laughs) Literally, it was a blast. By the time I got to the last pass, we had like six passes to do. I was like jumping off that platform. I mean, I was like, when can we do this again? It was absolutely amazing. And the thing that this taught me is that I don't want to miss out on experiences because I allowed fear to talk me out of them. I don't want to fail to accomplish something in life because fear told me not to try. So today I'm here to give you a little push, (laughs) just a little nudge. I wonder how much potential exists in this room. I wonder how much potential exists in the church, in our entire church. Can you imagine the things that God intends for us to experience and accomplish? And I wonder if we will or if we'll let fear stop us. Now, Rob's dad was an amazing man. I wish more of you could have met him. Unfortunately, he passed away 15 years ago already of brain cancer. He was way too young at 65. But he lived with the motto, no regrets. And he was all in at work, he was all in with his family and he was all in at church. I mean, he drove the truck in the winter with all the church equipment when we first started. He was the janitor, he was a board member. He even dyed his hair green one Sunday for the youth group to raise money for (laughs) missions. I mean, he was incredible. But he was just determined to live his life in such a way that when he got to the end of it, he would have no regrets. Studies show us that the biggest regrets people have when they reach the end of their lives are over the things that they didn't do that they wish they had. They wish they wouldn't have let fear hold them back. And Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 1:7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That is one of my theme verses. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Now we all wanna hear at the end of our lives, we all wanna hear well done, good and faithful servant, but there's a life of faithfulness that precedes hearing this. We can't have the blessings of obedience unless we obey. And the blessings attached to obedience are absolutely amazing. Psalm 19 reveals some of those blessings. It says in verses seven and eight, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. So obeying God revives the soul, makes wise the simple, brings joy to the heart, and gives insight for living. Incredible. The world is full of people who are striving to obtain peace, wisdom, joy, and insight, but the path to all these things is right here in Psalms. We just need to obey. Sometimes the reward for our obedience shows up in the lives of other people. Every year we are so blessed to hear the stories of lives that were changed at Sparkle. Women at Sparkle have been saved, they've been set free, they've been healed, and they've seen breakthrough. And the price of being terrified and completely outside of my comfort zone when I hosted that first Sparkle conference, that pales in comparison to hearing the stories of changed lives. If I had lived the safe life that I would have scripted for myself, I would have never had the blessing of hearing those stories. Yeah, that's good. Another benefit of obedience is friendship with Jesus. Yeah. We just read this in our soap this past week in John chapter 15. It says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. A servant doesn't know the heart of God. He just hears the command and he obeys. But as friends of God, we can obey him because we know his heart. There are so many blessings that come from obedience. So many now, in preparing for this message, I listened to a podcast by Craig Rochelle, and he's the pastor of the largest church in America, of Life Church. And he said um, a, a statement that stuck out to me, and he said, "It's impossible to imagine what God might set in motion through one single act of obedience." Yeah. And when, when Craig was in college, he walked out of his classroom one day, and there was an older gentleman standing there handing out free Bibles. So he handed Craig a New Testament. Well, Craig started reading it, and the Word came alive to him, and he ended up giving his life to Christ. And now, like I said, he has the biggest church in America, and out of their church has come the U Version Bible. So millions and millions of people around the world have access to the Word of God because of one man that stood outside a classroom handing out Bibles. It's amazing to think what God might set in motion with one single act of obedience. So today I'm praying that we can set aside our selfishness, our uncertainty, and our fear, and just take that step of obedience. Because if I can do it, you can do it. Amen? Amen? Amen, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much, God, for this amazing church and all the blessings that you bring through obedience, God. And I just pray that you would help all of us, God, just to step outside of our comfort zones and do what you're calling us to do. Help us to put away our selfishness and our pride, God, our fear and our uncertainty. God, there's so many blessings for us on the other side of obedience. I pray that you just help all of us to take that next step. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.